Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Have you come to be changed tonight? You won't be disappointed. I want you to turn with me to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7, if you don't mind. Matthew, chapter 7. We're talking about prayer principles. This is our third lesson. We talked about the fact that there are different ways to pray, and we talked about the fact that there are different kinds of prayer. We talked about the fact that in John 15:7 Jesus said, If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. We talked about the fact that if the word is to abide in us with regard to prayer, we better find out what Jesus said. He's a pretty good source, wouldn't you say? He has given us certain instructions to follow and certain understanding we need to have with regard to prayer. And you know, when you talk about Jesus being the teacher, he's the one that said to the Father, you always answer my prayers. I know that thou hearest me always. Isn't that what he said? Well, you can follow someone like that. Amen. You certainly can. We saw in Matthew chapter 5, he talked about an attitude in prayer. And he talked about praying for those that abuse you and persecute you. How many of you had those people high on your list of prayer? Number one, the abusers and persecutors of my life. First on the list of prayer. I don't see too many hands going up. <laughs> but he did say to do that, didn't he? And he's talking about an attitude that we need to maintain. To be like our Father in heaven is to be mature like he is. We've got to pray for our enemies. Amen? And those that abuse us in every way. And then in Matthew chapter 6, he said, don't pray like hypocrites and don't pray like heathen. Right? He said, don't do that. He said, pray to your Father who is in secret. Now, notice in both of those texts, he talked about the Father. He wants you to be like your Father. Now he tells you to pray to your Father in secret. And say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. In other words, love Him, bless Him, worship Him, glorify His holy name. And then He gave us certain principles in prayer there that we talked about. Now, here in Matthew chapter 7, we want to continue our study on the things that Jesus said with regard to prayer. And in verse 7, He said, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there among you whom, if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Now let's back up to verse 7. And you'll notice in that verse, he's talking about prayer. Ask, seek, and knock. If asking, seeking, and knocking, those three things represent prayer, then what is the answer to prayer? Receiving, finding, and having it open. That's what he said. And this next part is so important. Look at verse 8. For everyone, everyone, everybody say everyone. Not just a select few, not just God's favorites. 
but everyone that asketh receiveth. And he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. You see, beloved, Jesus said everyone, meaning it doesn't matter who you are. Everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. Everyone who knocks, it's open. You see, we better, better, we better, better understand what it really means to ask, what it means to seek, and what it means to knock. Because for the most part, you hear believers talking like this. Well, I asked and didn't get a thing. Oh, I was seeking but didn't find. I've been knocking but nothing's opened unto me. Well, I guess Jesus must have lied about it then. <laughs> because he said right here, if you ask, you receive. Everyone. See, sometimes we've got to change our own attitude and our own mindset about things. Start viewing yourself this way. I'm one of the ones who asks and receives. When I seek, I find. And when I knock, it's open unto me. Why? Because Jesus said everyone. I'm part of everyone. So, let's believe that. Amen? Now, if something wasn't working in your house, don't you think you'd probably try to find out why it wasn't working and get it fixed? If something wasn't working in your car, wouldn't you take time to find out why it wasn't working and get it fixed? Absolutely. A lot of people, when they don't get their prayers answered, they just forget about it and don't even try to find out why it wasn't working to get it fixed. How many of you know that God wants us to find out why it's not working so we can get it fixed? Because according to Jesus, we should be receiving, finding, and having it open. And if that's not working, we better get it fixed. See? And here he's talking about asking and faith believing. He's talking about a heart that really truly seeks to find. And he's talking about a knock that's not going to take no for an answer. And it's not necessarily that you're knocking on God's door. You're going to knock the devil out of your way. And knock that mountain down to size. Can you say amen? Well, let's go on. Look at his argument. For every, verse 9. Or what man is there among you whom, if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children. Here's his argument. See, here you are natural, earthly parents. And every natural father who is a father. Notice I did not say every natural infidel. I said father. And when Jesus used the term father, someone might be thinking out there, well, my father wasn't like that. Well, he's, then he's not talking about your father. He's talking about father by definition. One who provides and cares for. One who takes responsibilities and fulfills them. He's talking about a father. Defining a father, an earthly father who loves his children. That's who he's talking about. He's not talking about an infidel. Can you see that? What man is there among you if his son would ask whatever he needs for? He that has a father's heart is going to provide what is necessary for your child's survival. So he goes on to say, if you then being evil or natural can give good gifts to your children, look at these next three words. They should melt your heart. How much more? Say that with me. How much more? 
How much more than what? How much more than a natural father longs to provide every need for his children does the heavenly father long to provide every need and make good every prayer, every request. Here you are. You see, you're a natural father and you see your child having some kind of symptoms in his or her body. You lack the resources that really you'd like to have in order to alleviate that suffering. You see a deformity and you have no ability within yourself to correct that. You do everything you possibly can, humanly speaking, but still you lack that resource, that ability to change the child's condition. You love that child so much, you have a longing, yearning desire within your heart to provide what is necessary for your child to be made whole. But you don't have that. You lack that. If money was required, you would do anything you possibly could to earn enough money to see to it that your child could be made whole. didn't matter what it would take. You would do it because you love your child so much. And then we hear these words, how much more? How much more? How much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to those that ask Him? I want you to notice that this is the third time, this is the third reference. And once again, he talks about the Father. He talks about relationship. What point do you think he's trying to make with regard to prayer? View him, that is God, as your Father. It will cause changes to take place within you. It will renew your mind with regard to your approach to him. He's not just a God off in the distance somewhere who might do something for you if you beg Him long enough. No, a thousand times no. He's your Father who wants you to be blessed more than you want to be blessed, who wants to provide for you the answer more than you probably desire the answer, who wants to solve the problem with a a yearning desire within Him that probably supersedes your desire to have the problem solved. God loves you. Your Heavenly Father cares about you and for you, watchfully and affectionately. He wants you well. He wants you whole. He wants you cared for. He wants you provided for. Jesus is trying to say, look, He's Father. Understand that and approach Him on that basis. Let that be the foundation of your approach to Him. Start thinking in terms of, Father, I know you love me. And I know you have the resources. I know you have the supply. I know you have the ability. Whatever it is, you lack nothing. And now, Father, I know that even being an earthly father, longing to care for my children, you supersede that by a number too big for me to even comprehend. Your thoughts about me are so far higher than my thoughts, even about my own children, that I can't even gather them in. He is trying to establish within our hearts and minds that prayer is born out of a relationship. That faith is born out of a heart of love. And that we are to approach our Heavenly Father with this understanding. How much more? 
how much more do you long to heal me, to deliver, to set me free, to provide the, the resources that I need, the direction for my life? How much more are you concerned about me than I am about my very own? And you say, how can he say that? Well, because we are so limited. You realize you can have a concern about your child and you may not even, even though you may have their best interest at heart, you may not know what's best for your child because we're limited, finite beings. Isn't that correct? Absolutely. But you know what? Our Father is not limited. He is not finite. He is not bound by any certain limitations with regard to our lives. He has the ability to see the beginning and the end, and so He knows exactly what we need. He knows the ordered steps of our lives where we're limited. And even though we care about them, He can say, how much more do I care about you? Do I long to provide good things for you in this life? Listen to this verse of Scripture. Write it down, Romans 8:32. What a wonderful text. He that spared not His only Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Notice in this verse it says, How much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? In other words, if he gave you Jesus, how could he withhold good things? If he gave you Jesus, if he gave us Jesus, how could he withhold any good thing? Do you need direction for your life? How can he withhold that? You need healing for your body. Healing is a good thing, the Bible said, because Jesus went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed with the devil for God was with him. And in Mark 3, talks about if I be judged for the good deed done to this man who was with a withered hand, it was a good deed. His healing was a good deed. How can God withhold good things from us? He won't. He can't. His heart won't allow it. Hold your place right there. I want you to see a verse that helps us better understand the Father heart of God. In Psalm 84, in verse 11, faith is a product of the heart, and the heart must be in love with the Father. If you want to have faith, then you've got to understand your Father's love for you. If you lack that understanding of God's love, you know your faith will be paralyzed. Faith is not based on how good we are. Faith is based on our perception of how good God is. Amen. And the understanding that we have of His willingness to give and to impart to us those things that are vital and necessary for life. And I'll, tell you, I'll be frank about it. I know that we get criticized for saying things like this, but you know, let us be criticized. I believe that He goes above and beyond even our needs. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not even want. When have you ever heard a child say that? I have no wants. Now, I know I have needs, but I have no wants. Come on, I want this and I want that and I want this and I want that. Isn't that how children are? But I want it, Dad. The Lord is my shepherd. I don't even want. He supplies all your need and even your wants. That's good. Psalm 84.11 says, for the, Lord our God, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will He withhold from them that walk uprightly. How much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that love Him, to them that ask Him? Jesus was the best He had to offer and He gave Him. 
So if he didn't withhold Jesus, he won't, forget, he won't withhold any good thing. Let's go on back there. Really, I, I never heard anybody bring out this 12th verse, but I'm going to do it if you don't mind. You've got to give me a little bit of permission here. And the reason why I am, because while I was studying this this afternoon, I noticed verse 12 began with the word therefore. And you've always heard me say, wherever you see a therefore, find out what it's there for. Right? So I thought, I better find out what that's there for. And I asked the Holy Ghost. Therefore, in other words, based on this relationship, based on the Father's love, based on the fact that He is far more loving than any earthly father and far more giving and has more resources and provisions than any earthly father and longs to bless his children with good things. Therefore, listen, all things whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. What does that have to do with his teaching here on prayer? I thought about that. I pondered that. And you know what I found? Remember in the beginning of our study, we talked about attitude? Attitude. I want the Father to give to me constantly. I want there to be a steady stream, a flowing stream of God's good things in my life. How many of you, come on, be honest with me tonight. I'm not just talking about one area. I'm talking about all the good things that God has to offer. I want a steady stream of that flowing into my life. Isn't that what you want? Well... We, we reap what we sow, don't we? If I want to be stingy and do no good thing to you, but then go, Father, bless me. What happens is, see, faith is of the Spirit. See, if we have wrong attitudes inside our hearts, we won't develop in this area of faith that receives from a loving Father. But the more I give out of myself and the more I do for others what I would want done for me, it positions me to be in a place where I can receive blessings from God. And I'm, I'm talking about something that's happening in me. If you're selfish, you know you shut yourself away from the blessings of God. And the thing is, there's not the right makeup on the inside. Now, it's hard to explain this, but I've been in positions where on the inside of me, I knew that people weren't going to receive certain things. And, and the reason why I knew it was because I saw there was a lacking in the proper makeup of the Spirit that receives from God. you understand what I mean by that? And as a result of that, they didn't know how to position themselves to receive by faith. A simple statement like you've got to believe that you receive before you have, it's something that can't even register within the heart. Have no concept of what that means. Another phrase that we use is calling things which be not as though they were. And it's like, let me figure that out. Wait a minute. Say that again. Calling things which be not as though they were. Okay. If I'm sick, I'm supposed to say I'm not sick. No, no, no. Calling things which be not as though they were. You're sick and you're not well. Call yourself well, not sick. That's calling things that be not as though they were. Not saying I'm not sick. That's lying. I mean, come on, you've got pus coming out of your eye. Right? I mean, there's a big boil on your arm. It's seeping. We can see it. You're sick. You're afflicted. But I call myself well is a different story. And why are you calling yourself well? Well, because Joe down the street said so. I'm sorry it doesn't work because Joe down the street said so. 
It works because you study the Word of God for yourself and, and you find out in John 15, 7, if ye abide in me, my words abide in you, you shall ask what ye will and it shall be done unto you. Five times there's a ye, 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 ye. That gets the message across. I better have the Word of God abiding in me. I'm calling things which be not as though they were. Why? Because I know what Jesus said. He said, for me to believe I receive. Therefore, I believe I receive and I call myself well based on the foundation of truth. Not because Joe down the street said to do it. There's a difference here. And so that's what I'm talking about. If you want to be in a position to receive revelation, understanding, wisdom, direction, whatever you need from God, you've got to have this kind of an attitude right here. You be the kind of person that blesses others. And then you can begin to see the heart of God at work. Are you ready for this one? You be the person who forgives others. And you'll see the heart of God at work. You be a person of compassion. And you have compassion for others. And you tolerate people's inabilities and maybe their shortcomings and all that, and you'll see God at work. Come on, saints. God looks at us every single day. Look what he has to work with. I mean, think about that for a while. See, we've got to have the heart and mind of God, don't we? And if you give and give and you do unto others, in other words, you have that kind of an attitude that I treat others the way I want to be treated. That puts you in a position that you can receive from God because you are a giver and you give out of yourself. Let me illustrate that. There was a time when I was traveling one evening and there was a, a situation that occurred. A fellow was on the side of the road. His head was bleeding and, and all that. And I stopped by the roadside and I was, I was wanting to get home, needing to get home, tired. It's like everybody else is 11 o'clock at night. Just, you know, we just came a long distance. And I see this person lying on the side of the road and, of course, stop the car and pull over. The person is out cold, head is bleeding, and took it upon myself. Another person stopped by, and, and he was a believer also. And we took this person and lifted him up, got him coherent, got him to where he had to go, his home, got him home, got him bandaged up and all that, took care of him, so to speak, and then finally gave him the gospel message. Went home. This is making a long story short. And on the way home, one of my sons, Jason, was burning up with a high fever. I mean, it was like an instant thing. And he is absolutely burning up with this high fever. Put him in his bedroom. Walked into the bedroom to say his prayers with him. And I took about three steps in the room. And when I did, all of a sudden, I stopped because I heard this voice inside me. As you have so demonstrated my love, now I will show forth my love for you. And I mean to tell you, I stopped. Kaboom, just like that. And it's like an inward knowing of what to do. I stood there and looked at him and I said, Fever leave in the name of Jesus. And when I said those words, I saw a black bird-like figure come off of his head and fly out the window. I saw that in the spirit. He was breathing heavy and breathing hard. You know when a child has a high fever, how their breathing is? And I mean to tell you, his breathing went down to, instantly went down to normal. And I went and felt his brow and the fever was gone. And, you know, I thought about that within my heart and, and, and I was seeing something here. We, yes, want to be on the receiving end. 
But you know, sometimes I believe in order to be taught and to understand and to know how to receive from God, you've got to be a giver too. It can't be a selfish thing. We can't just want God's blessings and treat people like dirt. Do you see that? You have to have a high regard for humanity. He said, but if you do that, people will walk all over you while God is blessing the socks off of you. So people walk on you so God can bless the socks off you. Figure that one out. What would you rather have? People that highly esteem you and God saying, sorry, son, I'd like to bless you, but I can't right now. Do you see the point? Treat people with respect and dignity. And if you see somebody in need, there are certain things inside your heart that will pour out with compassion and Unto the merciful, God will show himself merciful. Unto the upright, God will show himself upright. Can you see what God is saying here? This is true prayer. It's positioning yourself to, to receive from the Lord because of a giving attitude. That's that verse. I, just, I won't even charge you a penny for that. Let's move on to Matthew chapter 9. We're just looking at some things that Jesus said about prayer. That's what we're doing. We're talking about the things that Jesus said about prayer. What better way to learn about a subject than to find out some things that Jesus said about it? Beginning at verse 35, if you would please. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. But everybody stop right there just for a moment. Just for a moment. Lord, I want you to use me in a worldwide miracle ministry. I want to cast out devils. I want to heal the sick. I want to raise the dead. I want the lame to walk, the deaf to hear, the blind to see, the maimed to be made whole, and the dumb to speak. I mean, God, I just want to be used of you. Who doesn't want to be used of God like that? I want you to notice that he knows every secret chamber within our heart. He knows our purposes, our motives, and our desires, and all that. I want you to notice the ministry of Jesus was based on compassion, not to be seen of men. You know, when God ever uses anybody, there's always a temptation for people to, to, to fall into pride. That's true. And the reason why we should want people, sick people healed and made whole is for this reason right here. What's this have to do with prayer? Everything. When Jesus prayed for people, it wasn't some religious prayer. It wasn't some prayer of tradition. It wasn't some wild fanatical prayer. Are you with me? It was words of compassion coming out of the depth of his soul. That's what it was. I remember reading after an individual who, this was in South Africa, and there was an individual who was dying of a disease and others were dying of the same disease. And the person was troubled because this person was not being helped. In their little, I guess you would call it like a, a little tent or whatever that they lived in, hut. And on one occasion, after days of prayer, just trying to reach this person, trying to reach God, trying to 
get the two to come together to bring deliverance to this person. The person just said, I found myself walking toward the little hut. And when I did, I heard her screams. The pain was unbearable. And I heard her screams. And at that moment, something happened. A compassion rose up on the inside of me that was so overwhelming that unconsciously I just ran in, took her in my arms, held her, and began to weep. And do you know, in that process, that woman was healed? It was compassion that was flowing from him into her, and he didn't even realize it. See, sometimes we think, well, if I just say the right words in prayer. It's not just saying the right words. Jesus was moved with compassion. I'll tell you right now, if I can use this term, this word, Jesus hated the devil. He hated the works of the devil. He hated what the devil did to people. He hated sickness and disease. He hated people being ravaged by sickness and disease. And he had an overwhelming compassion And that's why when he went to people and prayed as he did, it was so powerful. He was moved with compassion. Now let's read on. He was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Keep that in mind. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the pray ye therefore. Pray ye therefore. What is he wanting them to pray for? Listen carefully. We'll use this verse sometimes and we'll talk about sending out laborers into the harvest to get people in the highway and byway of life. He's talking about pray for pastors, shepherds. He said, these are people like sheep with no shepherd. And he had compassion on them. Pray ye the Lord of the harvest that he'll send laborers, workers, shepherds, not apostles, not prophets, not evangelists, Thank God for evangelists and apostles and prophets. Evangelists can get them all saved. But you know what? You give birth to 50 babies, 60 babies, 100 babies, and if everybody leaves them, you know what happens? They don't survive. Evangelists can come into town and get 100 people saved or 1,000 people saved. If you don't have a pastor to help shepherd the flock, what happens? They won't grow, will they? And he is saying, we need... Are you ready for this? Shepherds after my own heart. Ezekiel 34 talks about the true heart of a shepherd and the woes that were to come upon those that were not reflecting the very heart of the Father God. The great shepherd of the sheep is Jesus. You know, just by saying it to you right now, I about cringe standing in this office I think of the awesome task and responsibility to reflect the very Father's heart and the great shepherd's heart toward the flock, toward the sheep. First of all, what a staggering responsibility. What an awesome thing to be positioned by him as a shepherd over the flock. And I've been doing some soul searching here. You know what? 
I want to see the same things done that Jesus had happened under his ministry because he was the great shepherd and therefore as an under shepherd I expect to have the same manifestation but I also know it involves having the same compassionate heart and you talk about a challenge that anyone could possibly have and entertain in his life Jesus was moved with compassion he saw that there are many that are out there but they need shepherds so pray that the Lord of the harvest will send forth laborers into his harvest sheep need shepherds people can't be traveling around the country they, they were fainting trying to get to Jesus he said sheep need shepherds pray ye and that's something that Jesus said to pray for pray that God would raise up shepherds after his own heart you can read Ezekiel 34 and you'll find that to be true shepherds after his own heart that will really care for the flock you know I believe we're living in a time right now saint of God that people people really are looking for the true manifestation of New Testament church government you know you think about um, there was a time not too long ago when people were high on the television evangelists everything was mechanical you know through the airwaves and all that you know what that's not what God intended thank God that they're out there and that you can support their work on the radio the television and all that we have no problem with that that's wonderful let them reach the masses and the multitudes but you know what that doesn't eliminate the need for shepherds in the local church when you have a question you don't talk to the TV when you have a question you don't talk to the radio when you need to get married I don't think you call up your television evangelist and say hey I've got something I want you to do for me you don't send your children to that station say provide some kind of training for my children an environment in which they can grow in a Christian atmosphere do you see what I'm talking about God put things together in such a way that his heart could be reflected through people and that's why he says pray that shepherds would be raised up all over the country everywhere because there are so many out there that need to be cared for amen pray to that end I know that this church was praying for a shepherd this group of people right here when they were without a shepherd they saw that need and they knew it had to be something that was supernaturally manifested see there's a big difference between someone just saying okay I could place myself in this office or I can you know pastor this church and God saying you will be the next pastor of that church big difference God must call appoint and anoint and whom he calls he equips and there's where you're going to get the provisions that God wants people to have and to care look at Matthew AIC. let's go to 16 first Matthew 16 first and then we'll go to Matthew 18 should we have the time Matthew 16 this is called the prayer of binding and loosing verse 18 says and I say unto thee that thou art Peter and upon this rock will I build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it and I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven 
And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Another translation says, whatever you bind on earth having already been bound out of heaven, and whatever you loose on earth having already been loosed out of, loose out of heaven. In other words, heaven supports us. The government of heaven stands behind everything that we do in the name of Jesus. And, and Jesus is saying, I'm giving you the keys, the authority. Keys stand for authority. I'm giving you the authority to lock the door to Satan, to shut him out of your life. I'm giving you keys to overcome the strategies of the enemy, the key to overcoming sickness and disease and drug addiction and alcohol. And we can just go on and name everything. You, help, you hold the keys. You hold the keys to the operation of the kingdom of God on earth. It's up to you to bind, lock up. It's up to you to unloose and unleash. Daniel, when he prayed, unleashed the powers of heaven. An angel came down to minister to him and to instruct him. And angels were involved in his fight to assist and help him. See, he held the key. We have to recognize ourselves as being figures of authority on this earth, empowered by God, given the right to use the name of Jesus to lock the door to Satan and to open up the glories of heaven. We have that authority. We have that right. And in so doing, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Look at Matthew 18. Because he reiterates this in Matthew 18, 18. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall bind on earth. Notice, you shall bind on earth, shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Are you on earth? Someone asked, does this work on the moon? Well, I don't know. I was never up there. And I don't want to find out. <laughs> I'm pretty satisfied with the earth. What about you? But whatever you bind on earth, so you have the power to bind and loose, to lock up, shut the door. You know what that means at night? You lock that door. And the whole purpose is to keep any enemy out. Well, we have got to take our stand in prayer, binding the hand of Satan, loosing the hand of God. And we can do that. And heaven stands behind us. Look at the next verse, verse 19. Here's another, another principle of prayer. Again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. He goes back to asking. He goes back to the Father. And then he tells why. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Let's back up to verse 18 and notice once again the word ask. I'm sorry, verse 19. That if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask. So here again he's talking about asking the Father to do something. If you can get two, two to agree Touching anything you ask on earth, it shall be done of my Father, which is in heaven. It doesn't take a multitude. It doesn't take 10,000. If you can just get two to agree. Now, when Krista and I sold our house in industry, it was a time when houses were not selling real well. And if you know the time, and you were in real estate, you would know the houses weren't moving at that particular time very well. 
Well, we agreed together that our house was sold. The Lord reminded me of something that I did presumptuously. Did the Lord ever do that to you? Because for a while there, it seemed like nothing was happening. And when nothing was happening, I had this little something on the inside of me. And you know, when you have that something inside you, it'll continue to grow and grow and grow until you respond to it. This uneasiness I had in my spirit, I knew was God, but some, sometimes, I don't know why we do this, we kind of just think it may go away. Maybe it's just a little bit of indigestion or something like that. It just might go away. Well, it didn't go away, and nothing was happening with our house. To make a long story short, I told Chris, I said, Honey, you know what? I've got to repent and tell the Lord, you know, that I did something wrong here, Lord, and I know exactly what it is. And so I did, and I said, Now, honey, once again, let's thank the Lord. We agree together that the house is sold in the name of Jesus. And you know, actually, it was the very next day that the house was sold. But it was while we were here at church, I believe. Was it that day that we were here? We'd... They showed it when we were here at the church. And I don't know if it was for a practice session at the church. And yeah, that was a Tuesday evening, so we were here at the church for a practice session. And with us, without us even being there, the house was sold that night. And we knew, I mean, I knew it was on the inside. You see why we've got to follow the Holy Ghost? The Holy Ghost... The Spirit will always quicken the Word and make it alive to us. And it will always lead us and guide us down the right path. And even though what I'm saying, we, we use the right principles in prayer, we, it's right for us to agree, you can never rule out God's Spirit. We don't live by the letter of the Word, but by the Spirit of it. And when there's an interfering factor there, He's right there to guide you. He's there to enlighten you, to show you, to reveal to you. You see what I'm saying? We don't just walk away from things and ignore the moving of God's Spirit. And it was like the moment we did this, released it, that was it. Right down here you knew, that's it. And the very next day, that evening, the house was sold. And so we thank God for that. But once again, it shows power. We're on earth, there's two of us, we agree, touching anything we ask, it will be done for them of my Father. Now it goes back to my Father. Of my Father, which is in heaven. Here is a way to once again get God actively involved in our lives and in our affairs. It is also another way to get God's will to be established on earth as it is in heaven. You'll notice that verse that we talked about in Matthew chapter 6 in prayer, thy, thy will, kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. Agreeing prayer is a way to establish God's word on earth or God's will on earth as it is in heaven. It's God's will that we prosper. It's God's will that we be blessed. It's God's will that we be healed. Whatever the case may be, here's a way to establish or enforce God's will being done through agreeing prayer. And it doesn't take 10,000. Like I said, right here he said it says two. And here's why. He tells us why. I love the way Jesus teaches. Look at the next verse, verse 20. For where two or three are gathered together in my name... Everybody say, in my name. See, those three words are important. Because we've gathered in His name. In my name, the next three words are... Oh, I love these next three words. There am I. Did you hear that? In the midst of them. 
if you gather together, the two of you or the three of you, in other words, you've got, you got together in prayer, you and your wife or your husband or whatever, and you agreed in prayer in the name of Jesus, we assemble ourselves together to agree on earth as touching this fact, Father. He said, there am I. Wow. Should that not raise our consciousness as to the presence of Jesus? The two prayed, they agreed in his name, and Jesus says, there am I. What's he there for? To make it good. To make it good. And man, when you think in those terms, Jesus is right here, honey. He's making it good. Wow. That's powerful. So here's another prayer secret or principle to prayer. Two can agree on earth as touching whatever they ask. Ask the Father in the name of Jesus. And Jesus says, there am I. I'm right there to make it good. Well, we're going to stop. Well, we're not done. We're going to stop right there. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.